You guys can be seated. Good morning. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Mark, and I serve as the pastor here at our Syracuse campus. And I'm excited to get into this message today with you guys. Um, it's been awesome seeing this weather, hasn't it? Getting all this rain after the drought that we've been experiencing. We actually went fishing yesterday, and we were going to go out, take the kayak out, and as we're driving up to Echo, we're driving through this thunderstorm. There's lightning and everything. And so as much as, uh, you know, I love the rain, it kind of ruined our day a little bit yesterday, but it did ra it stopped raining just enough for us to do some shore fishing. So that was fun. Um, but I'm just grateful for, you know, th th it's just more evidence that God does answer prayers. Um, I'm sure many of you have probably prayed just like Sharice and I have. Uh, for moisture, for precipitation to come and, and help relieve a lot of the drought that we're experiencing. And he's done that this year. I, have you guys noticed the mountains have been green all summer long? For those who have lived here a while, that never happens, does it? But they're still green all the way to today, and, and I think that's God at work. So we praise him and thank him for that. Uh, for those of you who uh, maybe have missed some of the what we've gone over throughout the summer. We've been going through a pretty long series um, called The Pursuit, okay? And The Pursuit is a series that we believe every, everybody should go through here at Alpine Church because this is a series that um, really, uh, it, it points people to living a God-honoring life. It, it gives us the, the, it talks about the purpose that we have here. And we believe that this is a series that's really important for everybody to go through, especially in a mentoring relationship, um, maybe even in small groups. I took my, my men's small group through this a couple years back, and, and we just believe really strongly that this is an important series. So if you guys have missed it, I'm going to recap a little bit of it. It's been a long series, I know. Today we're in, in the 10th week of this series. Um, and in week one, we talked about three truths for every pursuit of God. These are three really important things to know, maybe if you're, you're at the beginning of your journey of, you know, discovering what this Christian life is all about, um, you're, you're trying to discover who you are to God and, and, and who He should be to you. What we talked about is these three truths are that God's for you, that He's not against you, okay? um, and that a pursuit of God can change everything in your life. It changes the, not just your eternity, but it changes the way that your everyday life is here in, the, in this world, okay? And God wants to be found by you, and he's already made the first move. He's given us everything that we need. Um, he's revealed himself. So he's made the first move, and it's our choice. It's our decision to make to pursue him, and, and he wants that. He desires that. And in the second week, we talked about why the Bible is what we, what we talked about. We talked about why, why do we trust this? We gave a whole lot of historical evidence, textual evidence, personal evidence of why we can trust the Bible, why it stood the test of time for thousands of years. So that's an important thing, that to know that we can trust the Bible, because the Bible is where we get so much uh, important information from, important things that we live by from. So that's what we talked about in week two. And in week three, we talked about one of those important truths from the Bible, and that's that all humans are created in the image of God. This might sound to us like something that should be just generally accepted. Because in today's world, we actually, in our society, this is generally accepted. 
but it came about because of what God's revealed to us. See, that hasn't been the case throughout all of human history. And in fact, even in recent history, we've seen what happens when, when that, that truth is not recognized, when human life is not recognized as being in the image of God. We see things like slavery. We see things you know, like, like the Holocaust. All these horrible things when life is not valued, when it's not recognized that humans are, are God's image bearers. So that's why that is so important. And that gives us a purpose, really. When we know that we're created in the image of God and that all humans are created in the image of God, that gives us a purpose to our life. And that, isn't that something that everybody seems to be searching for today? Is that purpose. That's something that, that is so important. So in week four, we talked about, actually Ray gave a, gave a great sermon on what the Bible says about sin. And what I like to say is that was, week four was giving the bad news, right? The bad news is, is that we all have sin. We all are born with a sin nature. And sin, breaking it down simply, sin is trusting our way instead of God's way, no matter what that is, of our own opinions, our own way of doing things. Um, that's what sin is. It's going our way, trusting our ideas, our opinions above what God says. And what we know, what we learn from the Word is that sin brings about this brokenness, this separation from God, because God is a holy God. There's no sin in Him. And, and, to, and to be united with Him, we, we can't have that and, and be full of sin. We can't, that, that just, a holy God can't join with us full of sin. So we're all born into it, and so what Jesus actually taught was that we must be born again. We have to be reborn, okay? And the way that we do that, we learned in week five, the good news. We learned about uh, Jesus. We learned about five early teachings in the uh, Christian church, and we learned that there is peace with God through Jesus, who is Lord of all, okay? Um, we learned about uh, quite a few things about Jesus, that he went around doing good, he went around healing and teaching, um, and just and teaching people how to live a, a God-honoring life. Um, but we learned that really the best news was what he did on the cross for us. The most important work that he ever did was that he paid that sin debt that we had, that we'd racked up this debt of sin that we couldn't pay, Jesus, the only one who could pay that for everybody because he lived a perfect, sinless life. He paid that debt for, for all of us. The most important work that Jesus did. And so that was the good news that we learned in week five. Uh, in week six, we talked about this idea of getting right with God. Okay? And, and what we really talked about was um, it's this idea of saving faith. Okay? That it's all 100% what Jesus did for us, trusting in Him. And nothing that we do can make us right with God. It's all Him. Uh, that it's a free gift to everybody. Every single person, no matter what you've done. It says in the book of Romans, no matter what you've done, that free gift of grace is offered to you. And that we start this relationship by God by accepting that free gift and trusting in Jesus, trusting in the work that He did for us. So that's what we talked about in week six, and in week seven, we talked about baptism. 
because if we, if we look at this, uh, this circle that we like to use, um, this is kind of the framework for the pursuit, okay? And we've got it into these three sort of segments. There, we start by trusting Jesus, and that was learning about our sin problem, learning about who Jesus is and what he did for us, and then placing our trust in him. The second segment, this honoring God part, this is, this is now learning how to live this life that honors God. And so we talked about baptism being kind of that first step of obedience. Jesus told us to get baptized, and so it's, it's the first obedient step that we can take. But also, baptism is, it's a symbol. We like to talk a lot about uh, that it's a lot like a wedding ring. This isn't my marriage. If I take it off, I'm, I'm still married. But this is a symbol. This is telling people that I'm married. And that's exactly what baptism is. Baptism is, it's a show of faith. It's, it's, it's declaring to the world that I'm a follower of Jesus, that I'm giving my life to him. So we talked about that, that, it's, a, that it's, a, it's an act of identification. It's an outward symbol of an inward reality, that I'm no longer my own, I belong to Jesus. And then in week eight, we talked about uh, three keys for Christian living. Now, these three keys that we talked about um, are God's spirit, God's word, and God's people. Okay, that we need, to, we need all three of these things to uh, be able to live this Christian life, to live a God-honoring life. If any one of those three are lacking, it, it becomes pretty apparent. And I know in my life, when I'm lacking one of those areas, it, it does become apparent really quickly. So those are the three keys for Christian living in week eight. And then last week, for those of you who were here, we did kind of a panel discussion up here. Uh, Sharice and I were up here, and we talked about the big five spiritual disciplines is what we call them. We talked about prayer, how important prayer is, daily prayer, um, setting aside time for prayer, not just when something's going wrong or when we you know, are feeling hurt or scared or something. That, that, those are great times to pray, but, but man, we need to make it a habit that we're continually in prayer every single day, setting time aside to pray. And then we talked about Bible study, different ways of Bible study, devotional Bible study, or, or really digging deep into, into different book studies and, and things like that. Bible study is important because that's, that's where God's going to reveal himself to us as well. And then we talked about connection being another one, what we're doing here right now, right? We're coming uh, not just to, to hear a sermon, but to visit with each other, to connect with God's people. I believe that's really important because... What the Bible says is the Spirit resides in each one of us. And so we're, we're gathering together. The Spirit is just, it builds. It's stronger because each one of us has the Spirit within us. That we can feel, that we can feed off of each other and build each other up. So that's why connection is so, so important. And then we talked about giving. Giving financially, but I think that means giving your time as well. Giving, you know, your resources Giving, making, making sure that we remember that we're so blessed by everything that we have. And that really it's, it's not ours in the first place, it's God's. Everything that we have is already God's. We're blessed because he lets us enjoy some of the things we have, right? But it's, but it's all God's. And if we can recognize that, if we can put, put that perspective on all of our belongings and our money and everything... Then, then that really helps us to be generous givers, 
to help other people, to, to donate to, to missions, to your local church, to, to all those things. It, if we have that right perspective on it, we're able to give a lot, a lot easier. We talked very briefly, we pretty much just mentioned that the fifth one is mentoring. And the reason we're doing that is because today, that's what we want to talk about. We're going to talk about mentoring. So today is week 10 of our 12-week series. Um, well, it was going to be a 12-week series, but what we ended up deciding was that lessons 11 and 12, so, so step 10 is the, um, lesson 10 is the why we should make disciples, okay? Um, but 11 and 12 are kind of the how. And rather than doing that from the stage, we really wanted to be a little more hands-on with it. So as you saw in the announcements, the mentor training and small group leader training, that's what we're going to focus on in those, in those trainings. So I would invite all of you to come to that on August 23rd. That's going to be what we're going to be focusing on is lessons 11 and 12. So I'm going to leave you hanging and force you to come to that. All right, so today we're going to talk about why make disciples. See, many, many Christians, many churches today, a lot of times they kind of stop with this, you know, I went back to that, uh, this, this, this circle here, this trusting Jesus. I mean, this is accepted by everybody. We have to, you know, all Christians know you've got to trust Jesus for your salvation. And then learning to live a life that honors God. But a lot of times we stop there. And that's, that's not going full circle. We don't believe that that's going full circle in your faith, not by what Jesus has taught us, okay? So why make disciples? Um, well, let's talk about discipleship. What is discipleship? Or what is, being, what is being discipled look like? Is it just going to Bible study and learning a whole lot about the Bible, learning about theology, getting deeper, and all these things? No, that's not what it is. In fact, that's still kind of a self-absorbed inward focus, Okay? Discipleship, in fact, on, the, on that circle, we used, to, we used to label that as helping others. That's the third part. And it's getting outside of ourselves. It's, it's focusing on other people, not ourselves anymore. And so if we think that discipleship, being discipled, is just learning more and more, gaining more knowledge, that's really just feeding ourselves. In fact, I've heard this kind of, th this is something that I've heard a lot of people get caught up in, is this idea that to mature as a Christian, I just need to continue to gain more and more knowledge. I need to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And there's nothing wrong with that. We should be trying to learn more about God and, and really getting deeper in the Word and, and understanding what He says more and more. But that's not real maturity. Maturity is becoming less selfish, less, less you know, focused on ourselves and, and focused on other people more. So discipling is turning from an inward focus to an outward focus. It's taking what we've learned and putting that into practice. And this doesn't require attaining this elite level of knowledge or anything. And that, so that's what the big idea here is, okay? This is what I want us to really understand today, that most Christians think we have to mature before we're qualified to make disciples. But the Bible teaches us something different. We mature by making disciples. See, I've, I've heard a, a few different times this saying that says, uh, God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. 
And I, I can attest to that myself. In, in my life, I, I, never, I never felt qualified. I, I still struggle with feeling qualified to be up here teaching you guys today, to be honest with you. But I know over and over that, I've, that, that he doesn't call the qualified. We, we see plenty of biblical scholars out there. There are people who, who understand this book deeper than I will ever understand it if I studied this the rest of my life, and yet they're not true believers. What does that say? That, that says that no matter how much knowledge we have, that's, that's not the point. See, people actually mature by making disciples. It's not the other way around. By becoming less selfish, by focusing on other people, by pouring into other people, that's how we mature. You can have all the best teaching at your church, all the best ministries, the best worship, but if your church doesn't have discipleship, if we are not going and making disciples, our, our church is going to be stunted. We're, we're not going to grow. We're not going to bring more people to knowing God, to giving their lives to God. And that's really the purpose of the church. We don't want to become a church that's full of consumers, that just comes on a Sunday morning and hears a sermon and then goes about the rest of the week not doing the work that God's called us into. Discipleship doesn't happen accidentally either. It, it takes intentionality. It takes stepping out in faith. It's, it's hard to do. I, I'm sure most of you feel intimidated by that. I know that I've felt intimidated by it, especially when I first began doing it. Uh, but just like a lot of things in life, we, we learn more by doing than by hearing. We learn hard things. Think about parenting. For those of you who have kids out there, when you had your first kid, how many of you felt totally qualified to raise that kid right away? You, you had it all figured out. That's right, no hands. <laughs> because you don't, do you? you? Sometimes you just gotta jump in and do it, and you learn by doing. And that's exactly how discipleship works as well. You know, maybe, maybe you've had a job that you didn't feel real qualified for. You kind of got thrown into this job, and you had to learn. You had to be quick on your feet. You had, you had to learn. You, you learn by making mistakes, but, but that's how you learn best. That's how you learn the quickest. So what is discipleship? It's, it's personally getting involved with another person in, in, in helping them to pursue God. Somewhere in that circle, you're either... You're helping them to learn to trust Jesus. Maybe they don't know Jesus yet. Or you're helping them learn what it means to live this Christian life. Maybe they've trusted Jesus, but they're still not quite grasping what does is, what is living a God-honoring life really look like? You're, you're helping them to understand that. Or the end point, really, is you want to disciple somebody into going and replicating that. Into going and they're now going to go make disciples. Okay, so that's the end goal of discipleship. And I can tell you that I've been dis discipled by quite a few people in my life. And the only reason I'm even here today is because of those people. Because of their willingness to step out and pour into me. And so that's what gives me the, the strength and the, the confidence to go and pour into other people is, is, is because of what they've given me. And that's what we should be looking at. So I want to look at three reasons why we should make disciples. 
And the first reason is obedience. It's about obedience. We make disciples because Jesus said so. Now, we're going to focus on some of the very famous verses. You probably heard of this called the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, right before Jesus is ascending to heaven, leaving the disciples, these are his last words to them. And anybody's last words in their life are pretty important, wouldn't you say? So here's what Jesus says. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus is saying that he has all authority. And so, like I said, it's a matter of obedience. He has authority, and so we're going we're gonna to trust that authority. We're going to lean into that authority and do what he says. But it's not just that either. He's actually giving authority to us. That's what this commissioning idea is, the great commission. He's commissioned us to go and do this. So it's not us going out on our own. In fact, what, is it, what does he say in there? He also says, I am with you always to the end of the age. That should give us some confidence. That it's not just he tosses us out there and says, good luck. No, he goes with us. He goes before us. So you actually see... You know, I've, I've brought up that circle, that, that full circle pursuit that we like to talk about. You can see that displayed right here in these verses, okay? That first part, trusting Jesus, baptizing them. That's, that's, that's displaying that trust in Jesus, that first step in the circle. Then we've also got this honoring God, all right? This is, this is teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, teaching them to be obedient. That, that's living a God-honoring life. And then the last part says, make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. This isn't just for the original apostles. This is for us today, too. Because what is a disciple? A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus. And if he's commanded them to do that, he's commanding us to do that as well. If the apostles went and made disciples, who went and made disciples, who went and made disciples, that trickles all the way down to us today. We're disciples as well. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple. And disciples are called to make disciples, called to replicate. Okay? So that's the first reason why we should make disciples. is because Jesus commanded us to. He has all authority, and he, and he gives us authority. He's commissioned us to do that. The second reason is we make disciples because people are supposed to do the work, not just the pastors. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which is another word for pastor, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So who does the work of the ministry? What does that say? It's the saints. The saints are everybody who follows Jesus, everybody who's put their trust in Jesus. All the disciples, they, they do the work of the ministry. It's not, it's not just up to me. I, I personally can only mentor so many people at a time. I only have so much time in the day. 
right? I can, I can mentor maybe four or five people, but if that's all I can do, four or five people at a time, how long does that take for us to share Jesus with the rest of the world? If all it is is, is those of us who feel qualified because we're in some sort of leadership position or, or something, that, that's never going to spread Jesus to the rest of the world the way it's supposed to. So what it says here is, our job is to equip the saints. So we're here to equip you. And that's really one of the big reasons we're going through this series, is we want you guys to feel equipped to go and disciple people in whatever capacity that is. See, the, the responsibility of church leaders is to equip God's people. And it's not just to invite people to come and listen on a Sunday. It, it, it's more than that. Because to live a God-honoring life, listening to a 30-minute message on a Sunday, it's not going to cut it. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, You then, my child, this is Paul talking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right there, that's what it is. That's what discipleship is. You're going to go and you're going you're to share, you're gonna, but you're not going to stop right there. You're going you're gonna to help build people up, train them to go and build somebody else up and train them. And it goes on and on and on. That's, that's how Jesus designed this. Okay? So the second, that's the second one, is we make disciples because we're all supposed to be doing the work. If we are the body of Christ, if we're the hands and feet, we should all be doing the work. And then the third reason, we make disciples because the crowds are confused and helpless. In Matthew 9, verses 36 to 38, this is Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, this is, this is Jesus. He's saying this after he's going around teaching the people. He's going around giving all these sermons and, and, and teaching everybody. And yet, they're still, even after all of his amazing teaching, they're still confused and harassed, helpless. If Jesus can go around giving the greatest sermons that we've ever heard and people are still confused and helpless, how much more so are they going to be if they come on a Sunday morning to listen to somebody like me, you know, sticking my foot in my mouth for the most part? You know, I can't, I can't compete with that. So how much more so do they need discipleship? Do they need mentoring? They need somebody to come alongside them, to teach them. That's what Jesus was saying to his apostles. They need more than just listening to me. You guys are going to do that work. And I can imagine that they felt as much fear as a lot of us do today when we think about that. So what prevents Christians from discipling? What prevents us from doing that? Fear of failure? Like, man, am I going to screw this up? Like, this person really needs to learn who Jesus is. I don't know that I'm really qualified to do that. There's that fear of failure, maybe... Maybe that feeling unqualified kind of thing that I was talking about. 
that I can tell you is never going to go away no matter how much biblical knowledge you have. A lot of it can be selfishness, wrong priorities. I know for me it's been all of these things at times in my life where I did not feel like, well, first of all, um, a lot of you have probably heard my story of coming out of addiction, um, uh, sexual addiction, um, living a, a life that was just full of lies and, and deceit and selfishness was rampant in my life. Absolute selfishness. So that was something that God really had to transform in me in order to be willing to go step out and disciple other people. And it happened in baby steps, right? I remember Sharice dragging me kicking and, kicking and screaming into kids' church with her to help serve there. Um, but that was, that was good for me. And sometimes it takes forcing ourselves to do things that we don't feel comfortable doing or that we don't really want to do to kind of break that selfishness now, break that stony heart down so that he can put that tender, responsive heart in us. And this feeling unqualified uh, thing, this, this, this fear of failure, uh, that's something that weighs pretty heavy on us too. I know that it was for me. But people poured into me, like I said, and people really pushed me. In fact, uh, Pastor Eric, he's the, he's the lead pastor over at the Riverdale campus now. Well, he used to be up at Brigham City. And when I first you know, came to uh, some leadership and, and finally opened up about all the struggles that I had in my life and how lost I was, I ended up, we ended up going up to a, a recovery group that he was leading up there at Brigham City every, every Friday night. And, man, it really it was life-changing. And, and I started to learn, you know, about who Jesus is and who I am to him and started to give my life over. And, and Eric saw something in me. He believed in me enough to actually ask us within about eight months, he had us launch uh, a second recovery group over at the Layton campus. And I remember, I remember just feeling like, are, are you sure? You, you've heard my story. Like, you know all my dirt, all my junk. You want me to go do this? You want me to go help lead people and pour into people. But I trusted, I trusted him, you know, because he'd poured into me and I trusted him. We, we went and we did that and the group has been amazing. We've, we've seen a lot of people come through there and um, seen people's lives changed. And in fact, one of the funniest things to me was when somebody, we had a couple come to us and ask if we would be marriage mentors to them. And that I mean, I was just like, are you serious? You've, you've heard our story. Like, this is, this is God's, God's sense of humor right here. But it's also God's grace, God's amazingness, that he'll take our brokenness and he'll use it for something. He can do that. He can transform us. So really, we just, we, we need to push ourselves sometimes. We need to push past that. We need to step out in faith. I met with Pastor John Swan from the Layton campus earlier this week, and we were talking about this sermon, um, this message that we were going to be giving, and, and he gave, he was telling me, you know, some of, some of the things that he's experienced in discipleship. You know, he didn't, he didn't grow up with a strong faith either. He had a, a pretty transformed life um, that took a lot of stepping out in faith as well. But he had, 
he had a really great example that God showed him once. So he lived back in Chicago, and he was telling me that he and his wife, they went out to dinner one night. And as they're walking down the sidewalk, there's this, this kind of older, older uh, and I think he said Chinese lady or something, and, and she's passing out these, these pamphlets or these, these little papers, and, and she's just shoving them at people, and she's going, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And he was just, he was like, this, this is kind of weird. This is... So he takes it and just kind of sticks it in his pocket, and they go to dinner. Well, as they're sitting there at dinner, he ends up pulling it out, and he's, and he's looking at it, and he said it gave this paper, one side was in Chinese, the other side was in English, and it, and it just laid out the gospel so simply and beautifully. And on it as well, it just listed all of, the, all of these local Christian churches in the area to go to. And he just felt convicted right then and there of, like, he'd been judging this woman like that she was one of those, you know, crazies out there, and, and, and he didn't really understand what she was doing, and he judged her for that. So I guess later on, he says that he went back, um, I, I guess his wife went shopping, and he ended up, you know, he was going to go to a store, check some things out as well, but he sees this lady again, and so he feels convicted, and he goes up to her, and he starts to tell her, you know, that he had judged her, and he's sorry, and he, he was kind of apologizing for it, and he says her response was, Jesus loves you, and shoves another paper at him. And he said, in that moment, he understood those were the only three words she knew in English. And she is out there sharing Jesus with people. Now, if she can do that, why can't we? Right? What, what, what can stop us? If she can do that, she knows three words of English, and she is out sharing Jesus with people regardless. Why, what should stop us from doing that? I hope that that's something that we can really give, give perspective in our lives. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we are um, we're moved by what you do in this world of broken people. We're moved by um, just how you work through each and every one of us. I'm sure many of us here have seen the work that you do have seen miracles happen in our lives and maybe things that you've done through us that we're totally astounded by. Lord, there are probably those of us here who haven't experienced that yet. Maybe we really haven't found the, the courage to step out in faith. Maybe we still are stuck in fear. Maybe we're stuck in selfishness. Maybe we're just, we, we don't have our priorities right. Lord, I pray that, that your word would convict us of what we are meant to do as your church. We're called the body of Christ. We're your body. We are what does your work here in this world that you work through each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you would um, continue to move in us, that you would move us to take that next step into doing your work, into drawing more people to you, to pointing people to, towards your love, your grace, your mercy, that we know the time is coming sooner and sooner of your return, Lord. Help that to also motivate us. 
that we want to bring as many people to you as possible. Lord, we, we ask you to go with us this week to help us shine your light to the world around us, to all those people who need to see that, to hear that, to feel that from us. Lord, help us to really surrender ourselves to you more fully, to give more of our, our time, our energy towards you, towards your work. Lord, we love you. We love how much you love us. We're moved by that, We're overwhelmed by that. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.